Good afternoon, fellow explorers. Welcome to the Positivity Pop-Up. Today is Sunday, July 9th, 2023. My name is Siren Murr. I might be alone tonight. It's a mystery whether or not any of my fellow sirens are going to join me. I know that Sara and Bill just got back from an amazing vacation in San Francisco. Well, I guess they spent a lot of time all over California. And uh, Jess is trying her hand at auto mechanic assistant, <laughs> helping her husband work on cars or the car. So we, I think I might be alone tonight, but that's not going to stop me from having the time of my life. So I have curated some stories for you, but to that are, you know, hopefully that will just bring a big old smile to your face. But first, let's talk about, you know, there's a holiday for like every day. Um, more than one, obviously, I talk about them every week. But the only one that was at all interesting to me today was National Sugar Cookie Day. And then we have Tomorrow, July 10th, Don't Step on a Bee Day and Teddy Bear Picnic Day, which seems kind of fun. On the 11th, we have Cheer Up the Lonely Day and also July 11th kicks off Amazon Prime Day. I think that's 11th and the 12th, maybe. And on July 13th, this is my favorite, my favorite holiday that I maybe that I've ever reported on. So I'm Thursday, July 13th, it is Gruntled Workers Day. So we all know what a disgruntled worker is, right? Well, there is no antonym really for the word disgruntled, but gruntled is what they're calling it. They've been calling it that since the 1930s. And on Gruntled Workers Day, you are encouraged to get together with your coworkers and friends and talk about all of the wonderful things that your job is. It's, it is easy to focus on the negative, but it's so much better to focus on the fun things. And if you are in a position that you can't think of anything positive about your work or your workplace, there's no time like the present to make a change. So some ways to celebrate, spread gruntlement. Uh, th that could look like hanging out the water cooler, talking about all of the fun things you like about your job, um, maybe go out for a happy hour with some of your coworkers, talk about how much you love where you work, it's, or you can just stop and reflect, think about the ways that your job could be more satisfying, come up with some professional goals, have a vision for your work that'll make you feel more satisfied at your job. So going to kick off a really cool week here. Happy Gruntled Day, friends. I can't wait to post about that on Facebook or the other social medias on the 13th. <laughs> All right, I have three articles I'm going to share with you guys today. The first one is an article by Mary Lou Costa. It's an article on reasons to be cheerful. Or yeah, that was the website. And the article title is Woodworking and Hugs Inside the Mental Health Movement for Men. And I, for one, am so happy to hear this. I feel like a lot of times when you hear about mental health or when we talk about mental health, I think it's focused on women. And this article has helped me understand that there that 
there are um, ways out there for men to get help and to find, you know, help find some spending time with other men who maybe be in the same position. Anyway, this article is about a guy. His name is Chris Morgan. He is a British veteran who lost his wife in 2002, and he had already been struggling with PTSD after spending 24 years as a gunner in the Royal Artillery. And this loss was pretty devastating to him, so much so that he considered ending his life. And, and you know, one night he was feeling really low. He headed out to his shed in the garden and just started tinkering, tinkering around with some wood scraps. And he found that woodworking was sort of a form of therapy for him. Morgan recently shared his story on the podcast, Men's Sheds UK. He said, quote, it was my woodworking shed that was my safe place. And although I may not have done too much woodworking, it was just being in there that I knew helped. In fact, it saved my life, end quote. And in 2008, he held an impromptu wood spoon carving class for some fellow veterans at a nature preserve where he was a volunteer. And the class was offered um, to veterans. It was so popular that it became a weekly event. Then in 2016, this weekly class evolved into an organization called Veterans Woodcraft. Veterans Woodcraft has since expanded to offer formal training courses, a training kitchen to teach cooking skills and a drop-in cafe, as well as quiet areas to provide more formalized support to help veterans with mental health issues, those who may be drawn to therapeutic to the therapeutic nature of woodworking, just like Chris Morgan was. On the same podcast, Morgan explained, quote, while you're doing this, you've got to concentrate on what you're doing, and it takes your mind off other issues, and for those couple of hours, you kind of relax. Once you start feeling better, it's like dropping a pebble in the water and those ripples come back out and you slowly get back into the community. It's not an overnight cure. It could take people many years, but that two hours in the workshop can make a huge difference in their well-being. And Veterans Woodcraft, it's just one of 3,000 of what they call men's sheds scattered across the UK, Ireland, New Zealand, Canada, the US, Kenya, and South Africa. The concept began in Australia in the 90s, 1990s, and it the idea was to help tackle isolation and loneliness. Mostly, it was mostly geared towards older men. And as men's shed UK chief officer Charlie Bethel puts it, it's the difference between traditional counseling and support groups and what can happen when men bond over a shared interest in a familiar environment. Bethel had this to say, quote, if you put 12 men in a room and ask them to talk about their feelings, six will leave and the other six will try to find the corners, end quote. On the other hand though, he says, if you put a broken lawnmower in the room and ask them to fix it at the end of a couple hours, you may not get a fixed lawnmower, but those 12 men will know each other intimately. They'll know the names of their partners, children or grandchildren, and what ails them. Men will talk shoulder to shoulder, but not necessarily face to face, end quote. And shoulder, shoulder, um, excuse me, shoulder to shoulder has sort of become their mantra. 
it seems that men's sheds are making a huge difference in the lives of men suffering from mental illness. In a recent survey, 178 of the UK's 600 men's shed, um, I'm sorry, that 178 of the 600 men's sheds were, were participating in this survey. And 25% of those respondents said that they had definitely saved a member's life. And then there were another 14% that felt confident they had. So that's that's pretty significant. There are some men's sheds that focus on particular demographics, like Morgan's work with PTSD sufferers. The Memory Shed in Wiltshire supports people with dementia, allowing members to work with trained volunteers on projects like bird boxes, outdoor planters, and little wooden animals. The Lancaster Men's Hub, which has expanded its activities from gardening and woodwork to walking around um, football and lawn bowls, it's also taken in a number of refugees that have become part of the community. And in Lincolnshire, the Long Sutton Men's Shed has been providing skills for developmental, I'm sorry, has been providing skills uh, for the local youth and um, this has gotten the Lancaster Men's Hub to be recognized as the recent shed of the year. They, have a, they had an award ceremony in London. So I'll provide a link to the U.S. Men's Shed website in case you or someone you love could benefit from an organization like this. There aren't very many locations in the U.S. yet, but I think that just means there's plenty of opportunity for someone like you, fellow explorer, to create one of these safe spaces in your community. And I just love that story so much, mostly because I have an activity that to me is sort of like therapy and that's scuba diving. Um, it's a, I, when you're diving, you're typically always with a buddy, but you're underwater and you're just concentrating on your breathing. And it really feels like you're kind of alone with your, with your brain and you can, it's sort of a place to meditate. And the only thing that I could think of after covering a woodworking story was to tell knock-knock jokes. So here you go. Knock-knock. Who's there? Radio. Radio who? Radio not. Here I come. <laughs> Knock, knock. Who's there? Witches. Witches who? Which is the best way out of this neighborhood? <laughs> knock, knock. Who's there? Man, that's a long sound effect. Knock, knock. Who's there? Who? Who, who? What are you? An owl? <laughs> knock, knock. Who's there? You. You who? You who? Anybody home? <laughs> oh. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you so much for entertaining my ridiculous knock-knock jokes today. Our next story is a story written by Ashley Tulick for 
olympics.com. The name of the article is Armed Robber to Iron Man, How Sports Saved John McAvoy's Life. So John McAvoy grew up in a prominent crime family in South London. He was born in 1983, and his stepdad was a prolific bank robber. He was a millionaire by the time he was 21, and John wanted that same kind of power and money his family had. He bought his first gun at the age of 16, and that's when he began his criminal career. <laughs> he was arrested for the first time at the age of 18, just two, two years later, sentenced to spend five years in jail. He just could not obey authority of any kind. He ended up spending like 365 consecutive days in solitary confinement as a result of that. And that's when he started exercising for the first time. Um, John McAvoy told the Olympic Channel podcast recently that, quote, I made a decision when I was in that cell that I would educate myself, I would read, and then this is where I started exercising. Because up until this point, I never exercised at all, and I didn't even know the names of the exercises I was doing at the time, end quote. But I'm here to tell you, friends, um, he was hell-bent on being a criminal. After serving two years of that sentence, he was released from prison and just began committing crimes again. At the age of 24, he was arrested one more time for armed robbery, and he was sentenced to serve two life sentences in a high-security unit in the maximum-security Belmarsh Prison. McAvoy said on the podcast, quote, I really got the gravity of how much the system was going to do everything in their power for me to stay in there as long as I possibly humanly could, end quote. So some of his fellow inmates included the terrorist Abu Hamza and the London 21-7 suicide bombers. That's when he said to himself, quote, when I saw them, I thought, I am in a lot of trouble, end quote. And while serving the second sentence, his best friend was killed in a car crash. It was this event that made McAvoy change his mind about what he was going to do with his life. He told the Olympic Channel podcast, quote, I made the decision from that night that I would never commit a crime ever again. That was me done. I wanted to get out of this place and I wanted to do something else with my life. I didn't know what it was or what I was going to do, but I knew I didn't want to do this anymore, end quote. So McAvoy started rowing in the prison gym on a rowing machine and he found solace or peace in rowing. And McAvoy, he said, quote, I remember the first time I got on the rowing machine when I was 26. The first row I ever did was two hours. It was like 30,000 meters. I remember looking at those numbers on that rowing machine, and it literally transcended me out of that environment completely, end quote. And as an inmate, McAvoy would break eight British and three world indoor rowing records, that in, including the longest ever continuous row for 45 hours and 263,560 meters. There was a guard in, um, in this prison who really saw something in McAvoy and sort of helped him along this journey. Um, and also McAvoy, he, he said, I remember the judge said to me, what are you going to do when you come out of prison? And I said, I am going to be a professional athlete. He goes on to say, quote, I used to do sessions with guys who went to the Olympics at London 2012. 
And physically, on a rowing machine, I could live with them, but I took up the sport too late, so I literally missed the boat, end quote. After that dream failed, McAvoy turned to Iron Man, and he has not looked back, friends, but he is not only competing as a professional athlete, as an Iron Man, but he's also training, or I'm sorry, he also runs outreach programs in a, in, as a way to help troubled youth. He says, quote, you need to give every young person in the world an opportunity to better their lives. And I genuinely believe sport can do that. So I, I just love that story. It's so inspiring to hear about a person literally rewriting their own story. And, that, and you know, this is just one small reminder that we all have the power to change who we are if we don't like who we are. So nice job, John McAvoy. Um, good luck in your next competition. We're rooting for you. <laughs> and our last story comes to us from cbsnews.com. This is, well, Annalisa, excuse me, Annalisa Novak reported this story on cbsnews.com, but it was, it was David Begno who, um, sort of reported on this event. The name of the article is Peyton Manning Surprises Father and Son Who Has Cerebral Palsy with Invitation to Ironman World Championship. So the father and son triathletes, Jeff and Johnny Agar, have been surprised with an official invitation to compete in the prestigious Ironman World Championship in Kona, Hawaii. You may have heard the story of Johnny Agar. He was born with cerebral palsy, which is a muscle disorder that, among other things, makes it impossible to walk without help, let alone running or swimming. Uh, but Johnny wants to be an Ironman triathlete. And his dad, Jeff, was like, All right, okay, buddy, let's, uh, let's compete in Ironman competitions. So remember, Johnny can't walk without help. But in an Ironman triathlon, the athlete has to swim 2.4 miles, bike 112 miles, and run 26.2 miles in under 17 hours. Johnny's dad is is his Johnny's dad, Jeff, is Johnny's like arms and legs. He is able to do this for him. He but while his dad is 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 swimming he is towing johnny he looks like he's usually like sort of bundled up in a kayak he pulls him while he bikes and he pushes him while he runs and on their sixth attempt at the ironman uh, triathlon they completed the race in the allotted time officially making johnny an iron man so as i told you uh it was CBS Morning's lead correspondent, David Begno, who introduced us to the Agars um, in an interview back in November of 2022. And he reunited with them again last month under the guise of a follow-up. But while he was there, he played a video message from Johnny's favorite athlete, Peyton Manning. I was going to try to play it on the show, but I can't figure out how to share the audio on Podbean Live. But I will post a link to the TikTok video in, in the description of this episode. I highly recommend you watch it. And if you are, if you can, maybe grab a tissue first because you're going to need it. 
But the gist of it is that David Bagno played a message, a video to the, the agars that said it was from Peyton Manning said, Hey, Johnny, I heard you are, a you are a fan of mine and that's awesome, but I am a huge fan of yours and I have the privilege of letting you know that your dream of competing in the Ironman world championship is about to come true because this is your official invitation. And oh my gosh, Johnny is so thrilled. You guys, they've been the, so this event again, it, it participants have to earn an invitation and Iron Man said that team agar personifies the spirit of the sport and they were more than happy to have them. They have less than 16 months to train at this time. And Johnny had this to say, quote, when I hopefully walk across that finish line, I'm going to put every, every ounce of energy that I have. It's going to be really, really special for me. And you can hear Johnny say those words yourself on that TikTok video. I, I highly recommend you take the three minutes to watch it. It's such an uplifting story. Um, David Bagno went on to say on CBS Morning that when the agars cross the finish line in Kona, Hawaii, they will only be the third team to ever accomplish that feat. And Ironman is typically a one-person sport. Obviously, um, in situations like this, there it, it becomes a team. So congratulations to the agars. I can't wait to have a follow-up report about this next year. Um, congratulations. It's very exciting. And I just want to wrap up this week's episode with some fun facts about the Ironman World Championship. So here are some things you may not know about it. There are approximately 2,500 athletes who compete in the event in uh, Kalua, Kona, Hawaii every year. It takes over 5,000 volunteers to help make the Ironman World Championship run smoothly and efficiently every year. So there is... Um, there's a pre-race celebration every year that in, it's, um, athletes and their families, they compete or they complete rather a 1.2 mile run in their underpants <laughs> to raise charity or to raise money for local charities. And, uh, this article was written in 2019. It looks like almost $300,000 had been raised at that time. We have a Cupid's Undie Run here in Cincinnati every year around um, Valentine's Day. And people run in their bras and underwears and raise money for our charity. And it's amazing. So Gordon Haler became the first ever Ironman champion when he finished the 140.6 mile course in just shy of 12 hours in 1978. So this this uh, race has been going on since 1978 and the water temperature in Kalua Bay, where the, where the swim portion takes place, it's usually just under 80 degrees. Um, and so you'll see most athletes wearing swim skins rather than wetsuits because, oh my gosh, that is warm water to swim in, my friends. Jeez. I guess you didn't always have to be 18 years old to 
participate, but now you do. There was one competitor who, who participated in 1982, who was 14 years old. And he was, I guess, the first under the first person under the age of 18 to be, uh, to qualify as an Ironman. Let's see. Australian John McLean became the first paraplegic athlete to finish the Ironman World Championship in 1997. The average age group for the athlete competing in the Ironman World Championship is just over 40 years old. That means I am right in line with the average age group. Gonna do it. There's a German professional triathlete, Jean Frodino. He became the first athlete to win an Olympic gold medal medal in triathlon and win the Ironman World Championship. Nice job, buddy. (laughs) And while there has been a shift for a more balanced representation, about 70% of the competitors in the World Championship Ironman competition are male at this time. And there are so many other facts that I didn't read off to you, but I'll put a link to those in today's description as well. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for spending your time with us. I know time is a precious commodity and for you to spend it with us means a lot. You can join the Sirens for our movie club tomorrow, July 10th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Just watch Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. That was the first one. Just watch it ahead of time. You still have today to do it and tomorrow. So just watch it so you're ready to discuss the movie. We'll have some questions and conversations uh, starters prepared. So all you have to do is show up with your big old open mind. So you can go to sirensoapbox.com slash getting real with Siren Soapbox or, you know, just go to sirensoapbox.com, click on the menu and go to the getting real with Siren Soapbox page. That's R-E-E-L, like a movie reel. (laughs) Get it? (laughs) And you'll find a link there to order tickets from Eventbrite. The tickets are free. You don't have to pay anything to join. It's just simply a way for us to distribute the link to the Zoom meeting. So get your ticket. Join us tomorrow night. And until next time, dive in, stay curious, and be happy.